and welcome to Do the Christmas Franchise with me, Jake. And me, James. And it's our second Christmas, James. We made it. We made it through 2020. (laughs) (laughs) It was touch and go. It was touch and go, but we did it. It was touch and go for a long while there, wasn't it? Oh, man. What a year. I mean, I don't want to... We're not going to talk about that because we, we literally haven't got time. We have got a smorgasbord of Christmas films, Christmas franchise movies to go through. All of these are l- beloved Christmas movies, I think it's fair to say. Um, I yes. think some of them may be hidden gems. Others will be massively popular and you'll probably watch them as a religion. But what I'm trying to do here, what me and James are trying to do is give you a sort of long... Uh, stretch of different movies that you may or may not have seen and to tie you over for the 12 days of Christmas. So these are 12 of our picks for the holiday season. I think that's right, James. You got anything else to add to that? I think it's fair. I think it's, uh, if you imagine if you ask a kid to draw a house and they draw like a square box uh, with equidistant windows and a door in the middle and that's what they think (laughs) of a house. This is the Christmas list version of that. Hopefully. Yeah, I think it's so. Like, if you think of Christmas, you should think of at least some of these films. So just to let you guys know, James and I have been compiling this list for about a week. And then I, I got the list sent over to James tonight for the podcast. And quickly, both of us realised that it only had 11 <laughs> films on it. So for a while, it was going to be the 11 days of Christmas, which probably be a good episode title. But I have actually I have actually caught up now and I've got 12 of my films. All, tw- all 12 films are in there now. Um, and we're going to start with you, James. Tell us your first pick on the 12 days of the Do the Franchise Christmas. Excellent. Well, my first pick is is a fairly modern film. I think it came out, uh, was it 2017, 18-ish? I think this film I think came it was, out. I think it was 2019. Let me double check. Oh. Yeah, 2019. Made, yeah, two, wow. This is 2020, everybody. It's messed with my brain. <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's, a Netflix, it's a Netflix film. It's a Netflix film. Um, I, I think Netflix have sort of become the de facto Christmas channel uh, for, for a lot of people. But <laughs> uh, this film is called Klaus, and yeah. it is an animated movie, as most good Christmas films are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sort of follows the theme of um, this year, basically, where things don't always go to plan. <laughs> Uh, but sometimes you get really good things out of them. Yeah. So, uh, Klaus, uh, the story behind it is basically a failed postman gets given the worst position in in the postal service, and it's in this little village, and he's about to give up because this this postal uh, this post office is run down. Uh, no one really uses it. Uh, he he doesn't know what to do to make a success of it, and yeah. he's about to give up. Uh, but he meets a f- not so friendly toy maker. This toy maker's a bit of a grumpus, uh, and he lives on the outskirts of the village. And uh, it's played by the one and only J.K. Simmons as Santa. Oh, really? Claus. I didn't know. Yes. See, I, I've not seen this film, so this is on my to-watch list this week. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's J.K. Simmons being J.K. Simmons as Santa. Uh, he lives. He's a carpenter. He lives in a, a cabin full of handmade toys, and essentially, uh, the film is all about the uh, postman convincing Klaus that it would be a good idea to give away all these toys because he's mm. not using them. And wouldn't it be cool if people could write to him? Yeah. And basically, it's the it's the law of Santa Claus. It's the early days of Santa Claus, and uh, yeah, I don't want to. Do too many plot spoilers, 
because this is obviously just a quick synopsis to try and whet people's appetite. Yeah. But yeah. I think if you if you like the idea of a really heartwarming animated film, you can't go too far wrong with Klaus. It's pretty good. Uh, and it's actually directed by um, the guy that co-created Despicable Me. Uh, uh, yes. So, Sergio Pablos. Sergio. Yes. So it's it's got a really great cast, really well written story. Uh. It's a good film. Mate, I love that, and I and it's again another one of those hidden gems that I probably wouldn't have have seen. I did want to ask you on the on the on the point of this movie: is it Claus or Klaus, or is it is it supposed to be a joke that it's like Santa Claus? I don't, I don't know. Is it? Yeah. So it, if you um, it, Claus is kind of a, a an, an Anglo-American way of saying it of Klaus. Yeah. So, yeah. So Klaus is. So it is. I think pronounced Klaus. But I am willing to be corrected if the <laughs> listeners out there know better than me. But I believe I believe it's Klaus for the for the film. Love that. So that is our first Christmas film. Go and see Klaus or Claus, available on Netflix. Um, and yeah, that, that's a good one. I've seen some of the screenshots from it and the trailer for it tonight, so I will uh, be getting on that one. Uh, I'll give you my one, James. This is number two. Um, nice. Again, we, we we took this in turns, didn't we, James? To be fair. Yeah, uh, I think we might have hit on this last year potentially because again I haven't actually listened to our Christmas special from last year since last year because that's the kind of man I am, James. I don't live in the past; I live in the future. But so you yeah. chose this really modern, up-to-date <laughs> film. So I chose the Twice. really old Christmas <laughs> film because I'm a modern man, James. No, I am. Uh, I don't know why I was going with that. I've chosen uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" with James Stewart. Simply because it's one of those films that I think encapsulates everything about the meaning of Christmas. Especially when you consider the kind of things that have been going on in everyone's lives uh, with the pandemic of 2020. Mm. I think this movie hits something. It strikes a chord with me personally. Um, and it's just a really heartwarming film. It's basically about a guy who lives in a village, a small town in America. And he has got all these hopes and dreams and aspirations uh, his name's George, and he gets dumped on um, to run this business. Like he's like a journalist, and he ends up running this business for his father, who passes away. And then he gets mm. stuck in the rut, basically, in this small town called Bedford Falls. And he's not able to go and do the things he wants to do because of family, because of duty, and because of the things tying him there. And he kind of slowly becomes miserable and, and resentful. And then the film is kind of about him learning the error of his ways becoming more selfless less selfish and he meets an angel and the angel's trying to get his wings so the angel has to kind of help george and i think everyone's heard the phrase uh, when an angel gets his wings um mm. it kind of comes from this this christmas film this christmas spirit idea so that if he can save george's life if george can become a better person and and carry on with life uh, in bedford falls and find a happy a happy medium then uh, the angel will get his wings. It's just a really beautiful film. I think it came out in forty six, nineteen forty six. So it's old. Yeah, um, but it stars- is fantastic. It is. Yeah, it's just a classic. It stars um, Jimmy Stewart as as um, George. It was actually a, a looking at some of the notes on this today. Uh, it was going to star. Um, wait, hang on, I've lost it now. Cary Grant. Yeah, Cary Grant. Mm. Uh, and then that got pulled. It's had a few different people trying to make it beforehand, and they they pulled in. Um, they sold the movie rights to Frank Frank Capra, and Frank Capra um, 
recruited Jimmy Stewart to play George. But it's just a wonderful film, really good. A wonderful life, a wonderful film, and should definitely be on your Christmas list if you get settled of an evening uh, with the family, with your friends. I know not a lot of us can see our family and friends this year, but um, with anyone that you love, even if it's on Zoom, get a yeah. hot chocolate, get your Christmas jumper on, get some comfy socks on and watch It's a Wonderful Life. It really is the best Christmas film, I think, for me. One of the best Christmas films. Yeah, we've got, I think we've got loads. <laughs> we've, got, we've got 12 of them. 12 we've, definitely, we've got absolutely got 12, but it's got to be up there. So, James, so. what have you got next? Uh, my next pick is uh, the phrase that probably put fear in the hearts of all parents around Christmas time. Um, <laughs> it's the... Uh, the little warning you see on on many toys, batteries not included. Oh no! Oh no! Exactly. Well, uh, batteries not included is my little stealthy uh, Spielberg pick because I figured this, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it wouldn't be a do do the franchise without us mentioning Steven Spielberg, especially after we've recently done the Jurassic Park film. So, yeah, uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's a it's a, a as. Uh, IMDb put it, a delightful fantasy about never giving up your dreams. And it's not, it's not really a Christmas film as such, but it's always on around Christmas time. And for me, it was a big part of my Christmas. So it's definitely definitely worthwhile. And the whole link to toys and presents is really cool. I've not but seen this film for years. It's, in the, it's an 80s film, isn't it? It's an 80s film. Uh, it's about a group of people that uh, live in this tenement building. And they're the last sort of five tenants left. And the building's run down, and the developer wants to build on it, make it better. But they need to get these tenants out of the uh, out of the flat, out of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's you know no way of them get doing this. Um, and they really want you know the tenants want to stay there. Uh, you, you meet a, a real mixed bag of characters. There's a little cafe at the at, at the bottom floor, which some of them run. It's it's really cool. And then to save the day. These little robot type aliens arrive, and <laughs> and uh, you know it's 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 the cheesiest film you could probably watch because these little robot aliens they don't have any speaking parts mm-hmm. they're they're little animatronic things they're they're wonderful creatures and they uh, they don't speak as I say they don't speak English but all the characters insist on talking to them it's kind of like you do with pets yeah of course the pets probably don't understand you but you keep talking at them anyway um, yeah. so uh, so they um, they basically these these robots do all they can to sort of sabotage the efforts of the developers the yeah. developers uh, seemingly seemingly hire a local thug to try and terrorize these tenants so <laughs> this local thug is <laughs> trying to scare the tenants to leave uh, into leaving but the little robot dudes defeat that and yeah that thug and it is just it's a a really again a nice heartwarming film and again it follows that theme of kind of a failure becoming a success and that's what we all want around christmas time isn't it something that maybe we weren't too happy about before suddenly we are now and i think it's really cool it's a good film I like that. That sounds lovely. And again, it's another one that I've not watched. I have watched a shit ton of Christmas films this year already because <laughs> a a because there's not been a whole hell of a lot to do outside of home, and b because I knew we were doing this for, this podcast as a special this year for Twelve Days of Christmas. So I really wanted to do my research. But yeah, I love that. I'm going to probably get on that as well and watch that because uh, that and Klaus Klaus. Yeah. I'm going. I can't stop doing that. Klaus Klaus. That and Klaus. I need to watch. Excellent. Well, I, I definitely recommend it. 
My fourth one, James, so this is number four. Um, I have gone for The Nightmare Before Christmas, or as it is often referred to on every bit of media I've looked at, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, <laughs> which is weird because Tim Burton did... Vis- it was his vision, it was his baby, but he didn't actually make this film. He didn't direct it, he just produced it. Uh, it's right. based off of a story Tim Burton wrote and the characters that Tim Burton designed. Um, but it was directed by Henry Selick, who gets hardly any credit for this movie. And there's actually oh. a really interesting documentary on Netflix at the moment called uh, The Holiday Movies That Made Us. And they talk about this film in great depth. So if you really want to know the back backstory, I'm not going to talk about it. Just go and watch that documentary. It's really good. Um, but what that does is it gives you a breakdown of how the film got made and what it was all about. But yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas, it's often cited as a Halloween film as opposed to a Christmas film mm-hmm. um, because it's about a the two towns meeting. Jack Skellington, who is the uh, a character from the Halloween world, uh, stumbles into Christmas world through a magic door in the forest and then quickly mm. learns about the meaning of Christmas and wants to spread Christmas joy uh, across Halloween Town, but obviously when he does it, it's all scary things. So there's this great scene in it where <laughs> I think obviously we've all seen it. I think you've seen it, um, but for those who haven't seen it, there's an amazing bit where Jack's trying to basically spread the love and joy of Christmas by giving kids really scary, horrible, gross things for Christmas, and the kids are all freaking out. And there's like snakes eating Christmas trees. It's brilliant, and I it just think good. like the music in it, the the characters, the color. The ah, oh, it's just such a beautiful, dense, saturated film. Like it's such a beautiful piece of art. Do you know what I mean? Like not even as a as a movie concept, but just as a visual spectacle. I love it. I can't get enough of it. And me and Natalie tend to watch it every year, uh, mm. even if it, even if it's just on in the background while we're putting up the tree or cooking some dinner or something. Like I have it on. I love to see it. Um, it so absolutely, please go and watch this film if you don't do anything else this Christmas. It's great. Definitely, I. I I don't think I could add anything else to that because it is just a, it's one of those classic Christmas films and I, I, I watch it most years as well. I think it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. I think it gets funnier the more you watch it and it's another one of those movies where, like so many Christmas movies, you will notice another thing every time you watch it. Every time you go back to it, there's a character in the background you've never seen before uh, and it's just so well made. Absolutely. I think it's all the more impressive that there's stuff going on in the background that you notice on repeat viewing because it's all stop motion animation and yeah. you know, it's it, it's fantastic. Yeah, it, so it much taken... love. So much love goes into that kind of work. Yeah. Yeah, and it shows. Uh, what's your next one, James? Number five. Number five. So you've reached day five of Christmas. You need you know, it's almost like a hump day. You need to push yourself <laughs> forward for the next few. So you need to pick I'm me gonna up. Absolutely, absolutely. <coughs> uh, you've eaten all the food, you're full of food, and you just need to keep yourself going. So I'm going to recommend Elf. Oh, um, yeah. Elf, it, it's it's become, it's fast become a Christmas classic, I think. It's obviously it's oh, a massively. more recent Christmas yeah. film, uh, but it's definitely in you know high rotation. I'm probably not going to go too much into detail about what it's about, because I'm going to assume most people have seen it. But mm. uh, effectively... Uh, a human is raised as an elf, realizes he's not an elf, finds out his dad probably isn't the best person in the world, but wants to go and see him anyway. Um, yeah, that's and, it, and, <laughs> and that's it. Um, and yeah, it's it's just wicked. It's um, got a, a, a good cast, a really good cast actually. I like uh, I like everyone that they've put in, in their <laughs> characters, 
And uh, I just think it's got James Khan in it. <laughs> it's got James Khan. It's got James what Khan. more do you? What more do you need to say? It's got the guy from Godfather as the dad. <laughs> yeah, like I knew James Khan, Godfather, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Eraser, and then yeah. I saw him in Elf. I was like, okay, he's got range. Yeah. He's brilliant, and it, it's just it is a funny comedy film. Um, there's the classic bit where. Uh, Buddy the Elf walks into a coffee shop that's exclaiming that they've got the best coffee in New, in New York and he runs in and congratulates them on it <laughs> which I think is brilliant yeah, like, well done I, guys, um, you did it I read a thing about Elf where they only had a certain amount of time to film within the city of Manhattan it was all done guerrilla style so there was no extras there were hmm. no actors other than Will Ferrell and there were no preconceived plot devices in place so what i'm basically saying there for, for people who are listening all the footage of buddy walking around manhattan was done with will ferrell in costume with just random public people from the public because at that <laughs> time it's mad isn't it at that time will ferrell wasn't that well known only no. on saturday night live so he was walking into cafes and walking across the you know he walks through the tunnel doesn't he in uh, new york yeah. and stuff all that was just done on ad lib they just got like a steady cam and a camera and filmed will ferrell walking around manhattan and that's how they got it. They got it in like a day or two. It's crazy. It's brilliant. And it's narrated, I think it's by uh, Bob Newhart, isn't it? That mm. narrates it. And he's, yeah. he's wonderful. Uh, wonderful narration. Wonderful film. Um, obviously, product of Saturday Night Live. A little bit like Wayne's World. So it's got that yeah. same kind of feel to me you know, that a lot of the people involved yeah. were involved with SNL. So yeah, I like it. It's, good it's mad as well, because it's like you said, it's kind of gone into the annals of, of Christmas classics. Even though It's a Wonderful Life came out in the 40s, this came out in, like, what, 2007, something like that, I think? Yeah. 2003? Um, it was the early noughties, and, and it's now cemented itself as many people's favourite Christmas film of all time. So it Mad. is brilliant. And again, yeah, it's definitely on the list. You've got to go and watch this film. Definitely watch that. Um, I'm going to go in, what are we on, number six? So you're on number six. Mince pies are going, they're running low now. Yeah. The port, the port is we've got the port out, but the port is running low. Um, what do we want to pick ourselves up with on the Christmas log? But none other than trading places with Dan Aykroyd nice. and Eddie Murphy. Brilliant, a I, great choice. It, it's so funny as well because obviously when I, I I went to watch Trading Places again recently, having not watched it for many years. And there's a disclaimer on it that says, obviously, this film contains outdated thoughts, opinions, attitudes, and and you know words and phrases. I thought about it for a minute. And I was like, okay, well, it's Eddie Murphy, and I remember Eddie Murphy in the nine in the eighties and nineties, and I remember a lot about his career, his comedy style, his stand up, and I've always loved Eddie Murphy anyway. Um, to then go back and watch Trading Places, in I don't even know how I describe it in the sort of post two thousands. Um, you know, with the Black Lives Matter protests, with everything we yeah. know about the way the world has changed in this last couple of years, it's still amazing as a movie. But my God, do they push the line in this film? Like, yeah, like the racial slurs in this film are are crazy. So I would say, do go into it open minded, but do a do do advise yourself that it isn't going to be the most pleasant thing with some of the white characters and the way they speak. And I actually spoke to uh, one of our friends and colleagues, Spencer, the other day. Uh, and he's, uh, he said, you know, he said to me, what do you, do you love that film? I was like, I absolutely do love that film. 
Uh, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. I think it's hilarious. And then we started talking about the outdated attitudes and the sort of racial slurs. And mm. there are there are things in it where you think, how did they get away with that in the eighties? And then to watch it in the in the concept on the context of now, you just think, why did they do those things? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's it is it's it's a tough. It's a tough thing to watch now, as you say, in yeah, uh, with, with a, a more modern, hopefully more liberal viewpoint that we yeah. have now. It uh, is a product but, of its time, and I think that that yeah. needs to be that needs to be out there for people to go. Did cops really say things like that about black people? Yes, they did. We know yeah. they did. There's no dressing that up. And I think also, do we do people push the bar in terms of what is acceptable within comedy and what isn't acceptable? Absolutely. Dan Aykroyd and, and Eddie Murphy had always done that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are things in that where if you tried to commission that now, you would just get shaken. You know, you'd just get thrown out the door. There's no way yeah. that would get that would get made. Absolutely, absolutely. And there, are, you know. There's often like conversation about oh why isn't such and such a film uh, been done over why why haven't they made a, a remake yeah. of it and uh, sometimes it is important to have a record of opinions of that time however distasteful they are yeah. uh, to to our palate now it's interesting in the sense that it does record how people were then you know phrases that were used then that we don't use now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but the actual, the, the the more sort of pure comedy moments in this film, absolutely, are just uh, outstanding. It, yeah, it's a, I, it's a great film. It's amazing. I mean, this film was conceived as a, an idea. Um, it was written for Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. So I don't know if you knew that, um, but I thought that was a great fact because um, obviously ah. they've done they've done uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil, uh, yeah. and many other comedy films that are just again very close to the bone when it comes to their racial content but mm. but as a as a as a comedy film unbelievably funny and and this film was again was written with the idea of Pryor playing the down on his luck black character and Gene Wilder playing the self-entitled and rich white character and they get flipped so that's the concept of the story for those who haven't seen trading places the two characters get flipped as a part of a gambit uh, Dan Aykroyd then becomes a down and out, whilst Eddie Murphy becomes this really rich, affluent black man. Um, <laughs> it is the it is just a great movie. Like no matter how you know it's perceived now, it's a very funny film. Yeah, uh, it was one of Eddie Murphy's first movies as well, like first actual uh, screen um, feature length movies. Right. And before then, it was just it was his comedy that got him that got him famous. And after this, mm. both Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy were just thrown into this mental world of demand you know they were in so many films after this mm. oh, but yeah, yeah i just think attitudes aside this film's amazing go and watch it it is funny but yeah. i would just be aware that to take it with a pinch of salt given everything that's happened in recent months absolutely so yeah I, I think it's it's well worth a watch definitely yeah i'm not going to say anything else in trading places just go watch trading places it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's your next one, James? Number seven. I think we're running out of chocolate now. Yeah, yeah, we've we've run out of chocolate. The uh, cold turkey has gone off. Um, we are <laughs> we're we're well into the twelve days of Christmas, and I've worked out the the unique sort of the the best way of picking a unique Christmas list is to pick films that aren't technically Christmassy. <laughs> so I've I I I've picked Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Love and it. I, it is 
in the Shane Black tradition of making films set around Christmas. So if you look, pretty much all of his films seem to be set around Christmas. His Iron Man was, the Lethal Weapon films were. So mm. it, he's he's a big fan of setting things at Christmas. So basically, uh, we meet Robert Downey Jr.'s character after a failed robbery attempt. So again, going back to the whole making something out of a failure. Yeah. This film starts with a failed robbery attempt uh and uh, he accidentally happens across uh, an audition room for a film and really impresses the people that are auditioning because he is so heartbroken over losing his friend that they believe that it's method acting. (laughs) (laughs) It is is like a, a film that's literally written for Robert Downey Jr. though, isn't it? It is. It's it's great. So you've got Robert Downey Jr., you've got Val Kilmer, so you've got people who, um, in a very different way to, uh, obviously, the, the previous film, uh, are quite controversial. Because mm. at the time, they weren't bankable stars. They'd... No. A, a, lot, no. Of, a lot of their, uh, you know, fame had, had faded at this stage. But yeah. this, this film pairs them up brilliantly. And... Uh, Val Kilmer plays a private detective in LA. It's all done in a very sort of film noir-esque style. Uh, there, there's murder, intrigue. There's uh, an, an old crush that Robert Downey Jr.'s character rediscovers. Uh, and there, there's lots of really fast, quick, witty wordplay, which Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. sort of duking out over uh, phrasings of sentences and things like that. Yeah. It's it's. It's perfect. It, the casting couldn't be better. I've not seen this film for quite a while. Um, I do love it. And again, I'm a big fan of Shane Black. I think even his Predator film was set around Christmas. He did a Predator sequel recently. Mm. Um, it's funny, isn't it? And yeah, Iron Man 3, even though it's mostly set in Miami, is set at Christmas. Um, yeah. yeah, this film... Um, I does. I'm, am I right in saying that Val Kilmer is like a gay cop in it? Yes, he plays, uh, his character's called Gay Perry. That's it, that's uh, why I can remember, uh, I'm trying to remember the film. And Robert Downey Jr. asks if he's gay. (laughs) So, so, so yeah, there's, Uh. there's, there's lots and lots of really cool little jokes. If you like the banter that happened between, like, Riggs and Murtaugh and Lethal Weapon, yeah, this is, this carries a lot of that DNA forward. It is very Lethal Weapon-esque. Yes. But told in a, uh, a film noir style with lots of narration uh, to the point where at the credits I, I went to see this when it was in the cinema and at the credits yeah. uh, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. start talking at the audience yes uh, they do I remember and, yeah. and they, they start saying things like if you'd left five minutes ago you could have been nearly home by now and stuff like that it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's just a really sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I know this is a film <laughs> yeah. kind of film. Uh, so, yeah, it's set at Christmas. It's not really a Christmas film, but if you like a bit of a murder intrigue with a lot of comedy on the side, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I'm going to go... Where are we now? Where are we? Was that, was that number seven? Yeah, so we're on You see, James, James and I are so gluttonous and drunk now, we've forgotten what number we're on. <laughs> we're, we're, we're basically trying to compete with Jules Holland for who can be the drunkest come New Year. <laughs> James and I have basically converted all of our internal organs into pate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, que- this is um, question eight. No, it's not. It's <laughs> film number eight. Film Told number you. eight. I've not even had a drink on this episode. Um, Christmas, uh, Christmas episode... Qu- 
I'm doing it again. <laughs> Number eight. James, stop it. Number eight. Yes. Right. <laughs> We're running out of cheese. The biscuits have gone stale. There is a tiny bit of Wensley Day all left. And the only thing that's left in the celebrations tin is bounties. But yeah. Batman Returns, James, is coming on next. Oh, excellent. Batman I, Returns, I like the long-awaited sequel and follow-up to Tim Burton's original Batman film, which wasn't a Christmas film. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman Returns takes on an entirely different DNA to its to its predecessor. Um, Batman, obviously very successful with uh, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, um, kind of brought Batman back to the front and center stage uh, of movie making. And then they followed it up with Batman Returns. Now, Batman Returns is set at Christmas. It's so Tim Burton-esque. It's very, very dark and snowy and cold. And it is about the Penguin and Catwoman and Batman and a weird character played by um, Christopher Walken, who we found out recently he's named after the man who uh, was the Nusferatu um, actor, uh, Max Schreck. Yes. So Christopher Walken plays a character called Max Schreck, who's a baddie in the film, but he's not anything to do with Max Schreck. It's just a homage to the actor Max Schreck, which I thought was really sweet. Um, Yeah. I love this film, James. I, I made my wife watch it because she'd never seen it, which I couldn't <laughs> believe. We were kind of doing that thing where you um, sit on your in your you know TV and you're scrolling through and everyone's going, well, what can we watch tonight? And I said, well, watch a Christmas film. And she's like, not Batman. I was like, well, it is a Christmas film. Technically, it is a Christmas film. It's yeah. very Christmassy. Um, the whole thing centers around a tree with bats flying out of it. It's great. And she wasn't having any of it. And then we put it on. And it starts with Penguin being born and then Penguin being abandoned in the sewers, which is, you know, no spoiler, really. It's the beginning of the film. Yeah. And then it kind of flies off from there, doesn't it, James? And fast forwards to how Penguin uh, becomes Penguin. Absolutely. And it's just such a good film. It's got action. It's got comedy beats. The acting is crazy. It's Keaton as Batman. So I love Keaton. He's my favorite Batman anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman and it's just got everything, James. It's got drama. It's got action. It's got the the beautiful Danny Elfman score. Oh, I just love this film. It's and I'd got... forgotten. I'd forgotten how much I love this film until I started watching it last week. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's a great film. You, you missed a really key part of the film, though. It's got oh, rocket launching penguins. <laughs> yeah it does at the end there's a really cool <laughs> bit again I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it but please go and watch it at Christmas there is a bit where um, and Natalie thought it was funny as well where, the, where Batman is trying to stop the penguins from launching their rockets and he's got like a sonar and every time the sonar goes off it's a penguin going wah 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 <laughs> and I just thought it was really funny uh, penguin is Danny DeVito he comes in on a giant rubber duck honestly yeah. it's it is mental, this film, but it just works. It's a film that shouldn't work, but it works so well. It does. It does. It's brilliant. I think we'll probably talk about that more when we do Batman franchise. But um, yeah, I'm just going to put it out there. Batman Returns. It's a Christmas film. Anyone that disputes that, fuck you. Go and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> What's at, what are we on, James? Number nine. We're Number, we're number nine. nine. We're, running, we're running low on everything now, and I think the fire's about to go out. We need to warm the place up again. We do. And what better way to warm the place up with small furry puppets? We're oh. talking about a Muppet's Christmas Carol. I mean, correction there, James. You're talking about the only version of um, of the Christmas Carol uh, by Charles Dickens 
that you could ever watch. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sure, there have been other attempts, and they're all well-meaning, but none mm. of them have Kermit the Frog in. No. And That's one you know, thing that, they don't have. Yeah, absolutely. This is the best Christmas Carol film with Kermit the Frog. Um, <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, we really don't need to say much more than that. <laughs> but just to say that this was the first time the Muppets had appeared on screen since Jim Henson's death two years earlier. So it was released in '92. Oh, Jim Henson died in, in 1990. Uh, oh Michael Caine is amazing as Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Uh, the way they they put the characters in, it seems like these Muppets were designed to play these roles, which sounds really strange to say because it's usually it's well cast yeah. actors. But these are well cast Muppets. They're brilliant. Yes, they are. They are. I think Gonzo is kind of the narrator, isn't he, with uh, the mouse whose name I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're so we're so good at remembering stuff. Is it Rizzo? Yeah. Yes, I believe so. It's, it's a rat, yeah. isn't it? Rizzo the rat, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm, again, I've got a best friend who's a Muppet maniac, so he's going to really kill me for not getting that right if I didn't get it right. But yeah, uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol is the best Christmas Carol to watch. And it is a really heartwarming story. Obviously, it's a Charles Dickens classic anyway, so the story was always going to be good, but it's just better with Muppets. Oh, absolutely. You make something better, put Muppets in it. Yeah, put Muppets in it. And, you know, you really feel for Tiny Tim when you realise he's basically a smaller puppet of Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know how a pig and a frog can biologically have a smaller frog, but you know, I'm not going to I'm going to put that question out there. It, it doesn't matter, does it's it? It's Christmas, Christmas magic, Jake. It's, it's Christmas, Christmas magic. magic. There is something I wanted to share with you on the podcast. This is something that came into my inbox the other day. Um, it's a meme and again, memes only really work when you can see them, but I'll just describe it to you. It's uh, Charles, it's it's um, Ebenezer Scrooge, played by Michael Caine, leaning out the window, and he's shouting to a young boy, what tier are we in? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> uh, so then what year is it? Sorry, I just thought it was good. That's, anyway, that's great. Um, what are we on next? We have got, are we on number nine? Ten. Number ten. Yeah. We've wow, made it. Done, we've done well. Uh, number 10, um, again, you've had to go out for supplies. Shops are starting to reopen. Um, things are starting to happen. But what we're in now is that lull stage between Christmas and New Year when no one really knows what to do. Where you um, need to really go out and buy yourself a new toothbrush, but you're scared away by the crazy guy that has a big shovel. Yeah, it's almost like a gamble as well, where you see, like, you look across the road at your neighbours and they haven't opened their curtains for five days, and you're thinking... Is everyone okay? Is anyone out there? Um, and then you step out of your door for the first time since Christmas and you're like, God, it's cold outside. Um, yeah, this is another film which I think will be very much stapled into the annals of time as the greatest or one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. Uh, yeah. It's none other than Home Alone, James. Oh, a brilliant film. <laughs> I actually watched this last night. Did you? Oh, yeah. I've not watched it yet this year. It's on my list to watch this year. I'm going to probably watch it Christmas Eve. We watch it usually either Christmas Eve or like Boxing Day night when we're all in together. You know how you're supposed to get like used to violence and things like that? That's the main worry about it from like governments mm. and things. They don't want kids watching violent shows because you know, it desensitizes oh, yeah. you. Yeah. I, I think this film 
absolutely proves that to be false because every time I see that scene with a nail on the stairs, it makes me curl up and want to die. (laughs) So funny. I always used to laugh at the bit where he... um burns his hand on the I think he's on on the doorknob isn't it and then he yeah. like runs around trying to find somewhere to put it and just jumps into the snow <laughs> oh, so good I mean the idea for Home Alone uh, came about when John Hughes was making Uncle Buck um, which also starred Macaulay Culkin um, mm. and apparently it was always one of those things where they wanted to play a little game with it um, there's also a scene in there's a scene in Uncle Buck where he uh, in Culkin interrogates a babysitter through the mail slot um, and he has a similar confrontation with Daniel Stern uh, via the doggy door in Home Alone. I just thought yeah. it was interesting, the parallels between the films. Um, yeah, apparently Robert De Niro was originally uh, considered for the role of Harry the Crook, but he was uh. turned down, and then they managed to get Joe Pesci on board. It's kind of hard to imagine Home Alone and Home Alone 2 without Joe Pesci, isn't it? Like, yeah, how would that have even worked? Those two characters in that film are so good as as the uh, as the villainous crooks, Harry and Marv. And I think yeah. it's a, it's one of those films as well where the sequel holds up as well, if not better, as the first one. Oh yeah, definitely. And it, I don't know why because I love the film. I really love it. I watch it, but if you think about it, it's just the same film. Like they it use is, a lot yeah. of the same gags, but it it doesn't matter because they've changed enough of it to make it new again. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, I guess the the first film was so spot on. All you mm. could do really was almost remake it in a different place. Yeah, because you are right there. What you just said, because Chris Columbus, who directed them both, he also directed uh, Harry Potter films that we did earlier in the franchise, and we were talking about Harry Potter one and Harry Potter two being the same film, but with a couple of bits changed. Like they both have Diagon Alley, they both have a Quidditch match, they both have a Voldemort bit at the end. Like, there's not really anything different in those two films apart from they just mixed around some of the ingredients, but they are the DNA of them, they are the same movie. Um, and which is I, really you, weird. If you didn't know better, you might be forgiven for thinking he also directed the second half of Skyfall. Because that's basically home alone. <laughs> yes, it is. Home defense with Daniel Craig. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Home Alone, there's not really much else we can say for it other than if you haven't seen it, where the hell have you been since the 90s? Like, for real. Yeah. yeah. It, it is it's, such a good movie. You would have had to actively avoid watching it, I think, at this point. It's like every time you saw it on TV, it's like, nope. <laughs> You're right, actually. I think, arguably, I've probably seen Home Alone 2 on television more than I've seen Home Alone 1. It seems to be the one that when I like switch on to Film 4 or BBC 2 when I'm like on my own, it just seems to be on. And when it's on, if it's like five to ten minutes in, I'm going to watch the rest of it. If it's yeah. half an hour in, I might not bother. But if it's five to ten minutes in, I'm probably going to watch the whole thing again. <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, go on, James. Number 11. Let us, let us get let us get to bed because we need to get to bed for Christmas. For for New Year's is coming up now. We're running out of days. Yeah. Um, chocolates ran out. Even the bounties have been eaten now. Yeah. What, we finally gave. What have in. we got? Right. With a mouthful of bounty, we're going to watch the Santa Claus. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So That's a surprising one. Yeah. Now, not by any other metric. Probably not a great film. <laughs> uh, it's Tim Allen. It's Tim yeah. Allen. Uh, he's playing a divorcee who's found out that his ex-wife and her husband have tried and failed to break it to their six-year-old son that Santa isn't real. Oh, for shame. Uh, 
I know. And then this film goes on to prove that actually Santa is real. And yeah, why would they lie about was, that? Yeah, all it took was for uh, Tim Allen to yell at Santa while Santa was on his roof, cause a horrific accident, <laughs> <laughs> steal Santa's clothes, and become <laughs> Santa. Um, yeah, it's good. It's it's a it's a fun film. It's it's like I say, not a great film. They they did sequels as well that got progressively worse, but the original yeah. is 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 great. And basically, it, it's a lot of comedy moments where Tim's trying to pre- pretend to be regular Tim Allen, uh, doing Tim Allen things, even though he's calling himself Scott Calvin in this film. It's still it's just Tim Allen. He's, he's always going to be Tim Allen. Uh, so yeah, yeah I mean, why not? Why not? Why not? I mean, he's not an actor known for his range. Let's be fair. He turns up no, and he, he reads lines, and it's it's great that he can do that. But it's Tim and he, Allen, and he plays a spaceman, James. He plays a very famous spaceman. <laughs> he does play a very famous spaceman. Um, right. So uh, basically, everything's going well. He's doing right, all right, in pretending not to be Santa until he basically turns into Santa, and people point out yeah. that he looks a lot like Santa, um, and uh, he's accepted it, but. There's one problem. How to keep it a secret from his disbelieving family. Ooh. Ooh okay. Uh, so that, that's, the, that's the basic plot. Hilarity ensues. It's a romp of a Christmas film. Uh, it's called The Santa Claus. Uh, so it's probably one of the more Christmassy films on my list in terms yeah. of actually containing Christmas-related material. Uh, so, yeah, The Santa Claus. I think it's worth saying I was going to... Go th- I'm thinking about a few different films to put on this list, and this is the last one coming up in a minute. But I was going to put on Jingle All the Way for many reasons. It's one of my favourite stupid films. Again, not considered an amazing film, but it is fundamentally one of those funny films you should watch at Christmas because you could only watch it around Christmas. And yeah. it's just Schwarzenegger being this crazy dad who's trying to get a toy on Christmas Eve, and it's very relatable, I'm sure, for many parents. Um, I, think- I think it's fair to say if Last Action Hero was too cerebral for you, then yeah. <laughs> you've got Jingle yeah. All The Way. <laughs> it's also an incredibly memeable and incredibly quotable um, film in all ways, like all Schwarzenegger films are. Yeah. Um, so I think that was on that honourable mentions list. I know Gareth at work really loves National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation, which was going to be on the list as well. It is a classic. Yeah. Maybe next year we'll talk about these films in more depth and maybe we'll put that on our list. Don't kid yourself, um, Jake. You're going to use A Wonderful Life again next year. We all know it. <laughs> I know I am, aren't I? <laughs> Um, what else was on that list? I'm trying to think. Love Actually was considered The Holiday, uh, my mum's favourite Christmas film. That was also yeah. on there. We mentioned, I think we did The Holiday for Valentine's, didn't we? We did. Sure we did. Yeah, so, we did. Yeah, bollocks, that's fine. We did that already. Um, there's a few. There was a lot. Um, the Nativity, I've not seen, but apparently very good. That was on the honourable mentions list. Um, I'm trying to think of the last one. Arthur Christmas was also on my list. Of, uh, that is one a good of those classics. Yeah, Arthur Christmas looks like an employee that we work with, uh, whose name I cannot mention for legal reasons. Um, <laughs> but it's the 12th day of Christmas, James. Yeah. I would have watched it earlier, but I've run out of food um, and I'm really hungry, but it's after midnight and I oh, can't no. eat. Oh, dear. It's Gremlins, James. It's Gremlins, Jake. That is a great I- pick. I think I might have picked it last year, and I can't remember again because I've not actually reviewed any of what we did last year. But ultimately, either way, no matter how we dress this up, we're doing 12 Days of Christmas. 
this was always going to be my pick. I didn't mention Die Hard. Die Hard was in my pick. And again, there is a debate as to whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas film. Um, there's also a debate as to whether or not Christmas is a Die Hard film. So, you know, think of that of what you will. Yeah. But Gremlins is my pick. I think it's just, oh, I just love it. And I can't really watch it any other time of year apart from Christmas. So I always have it on at Christmas at some point. And I think all my family, including my wife, are sick of hearing about Gremlins. Uh, it's just so fun. It's, it's so fun. It's brilliant. And I think rather fitting that Gremlins was your last pick and It's a Wonderful Life was your first because they're sort of grim mirror images of each other in some they ways. They are. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, they are deliberate. So the Gremlins is a parody of lots of things in It's a Wonderful Life. So the town in It's a Wonderful Life is called Bedford Falls. The one in uh, Gremlins is called Kingston Falls. Uh, there's even a reference. Uh, there's a reference when um, I think... The main character, Billy's mum, is watching it in the kitchen whilst preparing Christmas dinner. She's watching It's a Wonderful Life. So I just think it's really funny that they did this. It's it's another Spielberg-produced uh, movie directed by Joe Dante. Uh, but Spielberg had a big hand in making this film because his production mm. company produced it. Um, but yeah, it's it's Mogwai, um, the little furry critter that Billy gets as a Christmas pet. And it's that classic thing of you get a puppy for Christmas and it turns into a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to everybody. Absolutely. Um, but I just think it's so weird. I can't really think of any other film that really rivals it. It's strange, isn't it? It's a yeah. strange film. It's but, a little critter that then becomes, I guess, Critters. Critters is the only thing that probably rivals it as a weird film. It's a little creature that, that if you drop water on it, it multiplies into other little creatures. If you put it in sunlight, it'll die or it'll get hurt by light. And if you feed it any time after midnight, uh, it goes into a sort of pewpod and becomes a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so it, weird. It is weird because they, they haven't really made that many films like this. And I guess mm. like the, the modern equivalent, even though it's nothing like this, is something like the Trolls films. You know, troll, you know, not the yeah. Halloween troll that we reviewed, but Trolls as in the little brightly coloured animated film. Yeah. That's kind of what kids get as a monster film now. Whereas yeah. we got Gremlins. <laughs> I know, but don't you think that's great? Like, yeah. this was a classic... I think it was 1984. It's a classic film now. It's beloved by many millions of people. Um, and it's just bizarre. Like, Zach Galligan, who plays the main character in it, hasn't really been in anything else. Like, he was in this in Gremlins 2. And they were both brilliant in different ways. But Gremlins 1 being this iconic Christmas movie. Um, and it literally is just about them getting through the night as these mm. monsters take over their town and they cause all kind of devastation. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're pillaging. Um, it's just really weird. But it I, uh, but I seem to be, I seem to always go back to it as my favourite Christmas film. So yeah, I definitely put that in. It's definitely in the top twelve. Um, and it's definitely on our twelve days of Christmas. But if you don't see it in at the beginning of Christmas, definitely watch it after Christmas. It'll definitely help the uh, mince pies digest. Definitely. Or regurgitate, depending on your uh, disposition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, depending on how much you like seeing <laughs> lizard creatures destroy a town. Yeah, uh, yeah it'll, it'll definitely help your digestion. My wife had a really like, a weird thing about it, where she's like, one of the main characters in it, who's the bad guy called Stripe, uh, keeps blowing his nose on things and like gobbing on things all the time. And she doesn't really understand why. And I was like, well... I guess it discerns him from the other gremlins. And she's like, he's got a stripe on his head. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, good point. Yeah. I don't know why they make him have a cold, but yeah, the main character, the main bad guy has a cold all the way through the, uh, 
all the way through the film, which makes no sense. Even when he's like a little furry uh, mogwai before yeah. he becomes a gremlin, he's like got cold all the time. It's weird, isn't it? That it's is a weird, weird thing for a movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've had so many mentions. There's so many people have put so many films forward to us. And obviously we will consider them all next year. We will do another 12 and we will do a different 12. So I think what we'll do, James, is we'll do this. This is the do the Christmas franchise kind of one. Because last year was like testing the water of what we could and couldn't do. We didn't really yeah. know what we were doing. We didn't have a lot of experience with the podcast at that point anyway. So it was kind of on the uh, on the seat of our pants. Whereas this one, I feel like it's, it's the proper Christmas special. And uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it. You agree with our picks. And next year we will give you another 12 different Christmas films and of so, course yeah. if, if this doesn't go well we can always say next year's number one <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe there'll be even more Christmas films out next year because obviously there's not been any films out this year at all because of uh, yeah. the pandemic so yeah, I would settle for even film. more <laughs> it doesn't have well, yeah, to be Christmas it'd be nice wouldn't it <laughs> I do feel as well that with everything going on in the world people will be staying indoors staying safe and watching more Christmas movies so please do go through our list and let us know what you think if you do want to get in touch with us on the uh, podcast, do so on uh, Twitter, at Do The Franchise, or on our Instagram, you can post and comment, like and subscribe to us on there and obviously through iTunes and Spotify. But what I'd really like to know is what everyone's favourite Christmas movie is. If you've got anything to add to it, bang them in on the uh, Instagram on the podcast. We will try to reply to as many comments as possible, but also be good to get a little bit of a census and a bit of a feel for what everyone's watching this year because I'd like to then use those to compile a list for next year because that would be kind of cool wouldn't it definitely yeah and we've got a whole year to plan next year's Christmas special now <laughs> absolutely but of course we will leave it till the week before well, like we always do James <laughs> right Merry Christmas everybody from both me and James Merry Christmas Merry Christmas and we will see you all in the new year and hopefully you all stay safe and stay uh, sane through this incredibly bizarre and difficult Christmas that we're all going to have. But yeah, hopefully you all enjoy the episode. And please, please, please get in touch with us on the podcast. We'd love to know what you're up to this Christmas. Agreed. Yeah, anything else to add, James? Just eat those bounties. They're not that terrible. They're not. Bounties are all right, aren't they? And those little weird strawberry quality street, which I've never really understood. They're weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do a new podcast. Weird chocolates that you shouldn't like but do. Uh, yeah, anyway, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the new year. Bye, see guys. Bye. 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 Bye.